0: Hey, buds. Welcome back to another glorious week of Green and Gold, the podcast about all things weed. I'm your host, Haley Fox. As a quick bit of housekeeping, just a reminder that I am at this point super pregnant. So we're working furiously around the clock to not only get some amazing episodes lined up for you while I'm out on a brief hiatus, but we're also looking for a scrappy radio reporter to steer this ship while I'm gone. If this sounds like something you might be interested in, send some work samples to tablecakesproductions at gmail.com. All right, enough logistics. Let's get to this week's topic. We're having all sorts of fun today talking about the intersection of cannabis and beer. Okay, so first off, let's talk about the obvious similarities and connections between these two substances and their industries. For one, they're both commonly used to relax or as a form of recreation and even an anti-anxiety. They also both have large craft or cottage contingents, meaning in beer terms, in addition to the brewery powerhouses like Anheuser-Busch and Miller, there's an explosive industry of mom-and-pop shops that have taken over California. The same could be said for a big chunk of cannabis's industry, which was actually born from a lot of these small operations who are now still trying to survive as corporate cannabis kind of comes in and takes over. Also, as one beer aficionado once told me, there's the simple age old truth that a lot of brewers happen to also be stoners. But lately, there's been a lot of concern that as more states legalize weed and it becomes easier and cheaper to access and consume recreationally, people may stop drinking as much as they had been, potentially impacting the sale of beer and booze. However, according to a study released last month by the Distilled Spirits Council, legalized weed doesn't seem to have really impacted the sale of alcohol at all. The analysis looked at per capita alcohol sales in Colorado, Washington, and Oregon prior to legalization and after it. What it found was that there was no real impact. Any slight changes in sales were in line with national trends. However, this comes in contrast to prior studies, such as one released in 2018, that found dramatic dips in alcohol consumption in states with medical marijuana laws. Then we have another factor thrown into the mix, which is in 2018, Molson Coors Brewing Co. announced in their annual filing with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission that legal cannabis was a possible, quote, risk factor to business. They joined a handful of other beer companies, citing legalization as an unknown and yet unquantifiable impact on business. Also, beer makers aren't simply standing by and watching the cannabis industry take off. Some breweries have started creating their own non-alcoholic cannabis beer. State laws ban the mixing of alcohol and cannabis, so beer makers are coming up with recipes for those who want to drink their weed without any of the alcohol of their standard offerings. Others have even dabbled in adding hemp-derived CBD to their more standard line of beers, often IPAs, which already have that particularly danky smell to them. There's a lot of data and conjecture about the whole relationship between cannabis and beer, though. So to help us sort through it, we called up Bart Watson. He's the chief economist at the Brewers Association, a trade group that includes more than 7,000 brewers, suppliers, craft beer retailers, and more. And it's focused on preserving the independent brewing economy. He's written about the relationship between cannabis and beer, how the two industries overlap, and why people may be freaking out unnecessarily about weed's possible negative impact on beer and booze sales. Let's talk to Bart.
1: The Brewers Association is the national not-for-profit trade association that represents America's small and independent craft brewers. Uh, we're a membership organization. We have over 5,000 brewery members all around the country, and our mission is to promote and protect small and independent brewers. So. My job as chief economist, you know, falls on both sides, but mostly on the protect side. Um, so I'm involved in our government affairs efforts, trying to quantify, for instance, the economic impact that small brewers have, uh, tracking the industry, providing data insights to our members about, you know, what's going on in the industry, how many breweries there are, where they're growing, what their production looks like, you know, what they're selling. Basically, just more generally providing economic and business insights that can make our members better businesses.
0: Could you give us a I guess paint us a general picture of how so far um, legalized cannabis has or hasn't really impacted the beer industry. I know there was a lot of kind of fears or concerns around this as more states started to legalize the drug. If you could just give us a brief insight as to where we're at now in terms of whether those fears were founded or not.
1: Sure. And, and the basic way that most people think about this is in terms of sales. So we look at sales of beer Uh, before and after, you know, the legalization of cannabis, either medicinal or recreational. You know, so far, I don't see any evidence that cannabis is having an effect on beer sales. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have seen beer sales decrease in recent years, but most of that can be explained by things like demographics or competition from other beverage alcohol from wine and spirits. I'll be quick to say that's not to say that cannabis doesn't have some effect, just that the recreational And medicinal states have not necessarily increased whatever effect is already out there. And I'll also say that I think there may be indirect effects, and I'm sure we're going to get into these, but, you know, there may be labor market effects, there may be, you know, effects on things like rent in in cities where we now have legal grows. Um, so when we're looking at sales, I don't see a big effect, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other things going on in a relationship between the two.
0: Yeah, before we get to some of those, why do you think there was this fear then, um, especially in the beginning, that cannabis would somehow detract from people's you know, desire or decision to spend their, their side money, I guess, on um, booze or cannabis?
1: Sure. Well, you know, I think, you know, any consumer products can, can have effects on each other. I mean, people only have so much money in their pocket. And so if they're, you know, buying more vitamin water or, you know, whatever they're buying, it means they have less money to buy something else. Uh, But I think those those fears were particularly strong for some people. And, you know, not everyone was afraid of this. You know, there were certainly lots of our members who had no concerns about this. But, you know, I think one reason that people were a little bit more afraid is that, you know, there might be higher occasion overlap between cannabis products and beverage alcohol than than many other consumer goods, you know, both. Maybe have that, you know, social lubricant role. Um, And so, you know, there's, I think, a a greater opportunity for, you know, in economics terms for these two products to be, you know, substitutes as opposed to complements or just two products that don't interact at all
0: as cannabis has become legalized and there is kind of, like you said, this relationship between the two, we've seen some beer companies get into cannabis in varying capacities. Um, And I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about that. You know, is that a natural progression and kind of what some of these companies are experimenting with as they kind of bleed over into this new recreational market?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a natural transition. Uh, Anyone who studies, you know, beverage, alcohol and and cannabis will see that they're very different markets. Um, Yes, there may be some overlaps and we can get into those, but they're very different markets. There's very very different challenges they're going to have, you know, while overlapping, fairly different consumer bases, you know, different occasions. But that said, there's certainly companies where they feel it's a a natural extension for their brand or they feel that the market opportunities are great enough that they're willing to take the risks of jumping into a new market. And so we've seen a range of, of breweries who've shown interest um you know some are simply those who that's always been part of their branding you know they've named beers you know 420 or or things like that and so you know they're investigating that as an extension of their brand most of the time we've seen brewers doing this through products that maybe simulate cannabis you know hemp based products or or products that maybe don't even have hemp but have some of those, you know, those smells, you know, hops and and cannabis are very related. Um, Certainly, we've seen some companies, you know, get more aggressive and, and have partnerships where they, you know, lend their branding to another company. It's, you know, very difficult right now with federal licensing to actually make both alcohol and cannabis products. Mm-hmm, yeah. And we've seen, you know, a few uh, companies who are state-based only, and so they're not dealing with the federal regulations quite as much, start to dip their toe into CBD beers. You know, by and large, the Tax and Trade Bureau, which is the government body that regulates beverage alcohol, has said that those are still a no-no. Uh, but we're s- certainly seeing uh, brewers have interest in that space of interacting alcohol with, with CBD.
0: I might be totally butchering this, but I feel like in a previous story I'd researched, um, someone had told me there was an actual scientific or biologic overlap in terms of the plants that like hops come from and cannabis comes from. Is this right at all? Because I know, you know, obviously, especially with IPAs, it has that very kind of weedy, danky smell a lot of the times.
1: Yes, the the, the two pl- plants are related. So certainly you'll you'll have types of hops. You know, hops have a variety of flavors in them. But um, certainly there are types of hops who who take on flavors that you know many consumers might associate with cannabis. You'll often hear those beers referred to as dank uh, beers. You know, I was just at the hop growers convention, and you know, hop growers are are interested in the extension of hop sales into the cannabis market because if you had you know dealcoholized cannabis beers going forward, you know, t- beers that don't have alcohol, but do have THC, you know, it's quite possible that the people might want to flavor those with hops because of the overlap between the two. So, oh, okay. you know, that is another place where, where those two markets might touch. Um, and we might see some interaction between, you know, companies that have been in the beer space and, and companies that are interested in the cannabis space.
0: You wrote, a bit at length about this in your 2016 um, Brewers Association article, which we will link to in our show notes so everyone can read up on. You touch on quite a few topics in the story, and I'm wondering if you could start by how, um, in at least at that point in 2016, you you basically said you hadn't seen any tangible impact yet of the weed industry on the beer industry. I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about how you came to that conclusion, like what kind of data is out there and that. you were able to use?
1: Yeah you know, this is, this is a basic part of my role here at the Brewers Association is to look at, you know, market threats and opportunities and try to analyze how they're affecting our members. So we started doing this a few years ago. And the basic way I, I do this is I simply separate the states and say, okay, let's look at the states that are recreationally legal, medicinally legal. There is no legality at the state level. And then let's look at beer sales trends in those places. And, you know, we can also try to control for some things, you know, look at demographics, look at wine and spirits sales. And And, you know, looking in 2016, I didn't see any difference in places where cannabis had different legal status um, and beer sales in those states. You know, even back then, we were already seeing overall beer sales shrink and and craft beer sales rise, but it didn't seem like those trends were affected by cannabis. And, you know, I think I started kind of laying out what I I continue to think is the basic argument is that, you know, you really have to look more into the causal mechanisms, too, of, of why cannabis might affect beer sales. And one of the reasons that people always give is, is spending power, that, um, you know, people may have less money if they're spending more money on cannabis. And and I really tried to push back on that, at least in the short term. You know, in the long run, we may see this shift. You know, 20 years from now, the world may be different and people may be spending more on cannabis and less on beverage alcohol. Uh, we don't know. But right now, there's lots of evidence that most of the the new spending isn't really new spending. It's just legal market spending as opposed to black market spending. Updating that to 2018, where we have a lot of new states that have changed status, either to recreational, medicinal, and I still see the same thing. It continues to look like that the beverage alcohol trends, and particularly the beer trends in states with recreational or medicinal cannabis, are just as strong, if not stronger, uh, than those in states where cannabis isn't legal at all. And to me, that suggests, in the short term... We're not seeing a huge effect. And if there is going to be an effect, it's going to be, you know, very slow and gradual and generational. And it's going to take a long time before it really shows up in the numbers.
0: Kind of drilling down a little more, especially because, um, like you said, your association focuses on craft breweries in California in particular, since we're here and that's what we talk about um, more and I'm familiar with, I'll use as an example. There's kind of already been this push towards craft cannabis, kind of preserving it and working to grow this side of the industry as more corporate cannabis comes in. Um, You know, there's even discussions over micro business licenses, which would allow small cannabis operations to basically set up like a brewery tour, you know, of their own to have people come and sample cannabis and see how it's grown and all that. Um, And so I'm curious, you know, what else... From the beer side, you see as parallels in terms of schools of thought, or in the economics of how this works, in developing you know craft beer versus craft cannabis.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great question, and I'll preface this by saying that you know I know a lot about the beer space, I know less about the cannabis space, so. You know what the overall market looks like. Uh, you know I'm probably not the biggest expert, but I can certainly speak to you know what we've seen on the beer side from consumer demand and you know why craft breweries have been so popular and and that really boils down to I think you know flavor, variety, and then that connection with small and independent local businesses. And I won't speak too much to the flavor or variety and and how you know craft cannabis companies can do that, but you know certainly one thing craft brewers have done very well is they've differentiated themselves from you know what was a pretty commodified world of beer you know if you go back 20 or 30 years most american beer was lager or light lager it was made by a relatively few number of companies and you know other than marketing and branding it looked pretty much the same and craft brewers you know they localized that they they introduced lots of new flavors and more importantly they brought a lot of experience to that market so you can go to a brewery, you can you know have a flight, you can meet the brewer, you can ask questions, you can do a tour, you can really engage and at least in the beverage alcohol market, this has been a big shift we've seen over the last ten or fifteen years um, and I think it's true more broadly of a lot of food products that you know consumers don't just want to consume things anymore they want to understand the process that led to that product. They want to engage with it. They want to connect with it, you know, maybe on social media and maybe directly at the business. And, and this is something that craft brewers have done very well is creating an experience around not just, you know, their, their beer, but the whole process. And, and certainly I think there, you know, any industry can learn from that. And, and craft cannabis would, would not be an exception that, you know, if you can give a consumer an experience, they're going to be uh, a more excited consumer than, than just someone who's just buying the product.
0: Are there people in the beer industry and within your association who, you know, might not be getting into the cannabis world, but that this has become a part of the way they either market their brand or think about the way they do business? I guess I'm just curious if there's kind of any other, you know, maybe tangential effects on the beer industry because of cannabis's increasing legalization.
1: Sure. And, and, you know, one thing to point out is just because there isn't a broad effect doesn't mean that there aren't smaller effects in sub markets. So, you know, this might be affecting one part of the beer industry up and another part down. It might be affecting one place up and another part down. You know, I'm here in Colorado where, you know, we've had legalized cannabis and, you know, certainly some breweries have, opportunity in, you know, tourists coming for cannabis, but maybe also for some of the local beers. Um, And so, you know, maybe there's opportunities in, in where you locate your brew pub, or maybe there's opportunities in co-marketing. So, you know, certainly I think, you know, that there are going to be effects. They're not necessarily going to be all in one direction. You know, what we hear more from members is just, they've had to, to think about, you know, the growth of the cannabis industry and, and how that affects their business. You know, if you're in a tap room, how do you train your, your servers on, you know, different types of intoxication and dram and shop laws? You know, that's that's certainly been a challenge for brewers in Colorado. You know, another challenge here in, in Denver, and I'm sure you're going to start to see it in California as well, is just competition for warehouse space. Brewers need a lot of space to to store their, their products. Um, and in states with indoor cannabis grows, uh, warehouse space often goes up in price a lot we've seen some brewers lose employees to the cannabis market so there there may be you know labor market impacts and and that's where we're really hearing it from members much more so than oh my sales went up or down is these kind of secondary effects warehouses workers things like that that they had to have to think about now that maybe 5 or 10 years ago they didn't have to think about
0: mhm that's interesting yeah i had not thought about that especially in the city centers you know like in LA, industrial space and warehouse space is hard to come by. Um, And we definitely have pockets where craft brewing has kind of taken over and now cannabis is also moving in. So yeah, it will be very interesting to see um, how that all pans out. Since you are in Denver, do you think there's anything that California or maybe other future states to legalize, uh, especially recreationally, can kind of learn from Colorado or Washington or these other states that have a few more years, you know, between them and legalization?
1: Uh, You know, I I certainly think there are lessons to be learned. You know, one of the things we've learned uh, over decades and decades in beverage alcohol is that when you get all the different states you know, legislating and, and regulating a product in very different ways, you get different outcomes for the industry. So you know, a question that California or any state that is moving toward greater legalization should ask themselves is, you know, which of these state policy experiments that we see out there um, is the one that we want to emulate? Do we want to make it really easy to get into the market, do we want to leave, you know, the local control very high so that you know localities can essentially block this, or do we want to make it something that, um, you know, is broadly available? And you know, those are going to be policy choices that that individual states are going to need to make for themselves. I think we're going to see, you know, differences in how the the distribution of cannabis works as well. Um, Colorado's already kind of flip flopped on this. When it started, it really wanted to tie producers and retailers together, and um, and it's certainly evolved in that approach. So there's a lot of variables, and I think not just cannabis, but beverage alcohol is is a great place for regulators to look when they start thinking about this. We have a variety of models across all of the states, from you know very tight state control to fairly free markets, and different states are going to have to ask themselves, you know, for this to succeed in our state. And for our state society, you know, what's the model we want that we think is going to, you know, serve the interest of the voters or, or whoever approved uh, legalized cannabis?
0: One of the things that got a lot of attention was when um, the Coors Company and others had put, you know, in their SEC filings that, they were basically citing the cannabis industry as a possible negative influence on business. And a lot of these larger companies have expressed interest or have already taken steps to get into the cannabis industry. Coming from the craft perspective, is this something that craft cannabis companies should be concerned about? Um, you know, where I guess where do you see kind of corporate beer where they fall in the specter of cannabis also?
1: Well,, you know certainly we've seen you know different the different large multinational beer companies take different approaches to this. You know most seem like they're starting to to dip their toe into the market, you know which makes sense, you know even if you don't think it's going to affect the beer sales, you know legal cannabis is potentially a you know a hundred hundred billion dollar market if you believe some of the the forecasted market estimates for legal cannabis in, in 10 or 20 years. You know, in terms of putting it in their annual reports, I mean, one difference between the large companies and the small companies is, you know, they're public companies. So they have to uh, let their investors know of potential threats they see. And, you know, certainly I think there are, there are some signs pointing to a future where cannabis could have an effect on beer sales, even if I think the data uh, right now suggests that it's not having that effect. So, you know, we'll see how they want to get involved. You know, they certainly do have you know, powerful networks to distribute things. But, you know, cannabis distribution is pretty different than beer distribution. You know, if you look at beer distribution right now in this country, it's moving heavy things and no cash. Um, And cannabis distribution is kind of almost the opposite. I mean, it's almost an armored car business where you're, you know, moving really light things and a lot of cash. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) you know, so maybe those don't match up very well. I think, you know, the, the interact maybe increases if we see cannabis beverages grow you know, whether those are dealcoholized beer with cannabis or just more general beverages, that's a market that um, large brewers and brewers more generally know a little bit more based on data I've seen from companies like BDS Analytics. You know, that's still a pretty niche part even within the, the edible market. Um, but certainly if, if that were to grow and that were to become a bigger part of the market, that's a place where I think beer, big beer companies could suddenly have more of an impact on the market. But right now, I think that's, that's certainly, you know, a couple of steps down the road.
0: That was Bart Watson, Chief Economist at the Brewers Association. You can find him on Twitter at brewersstats. All right, that's it for our show this week. Thanks for listening. Please head to iTunes and subscribe if you haven't already and leave us a rating or review also don't forget we're a product of tablecakes productions tablecakes is a la-based women-owned podcast company that puts out all sorts of awesome content so go to patreon.com backslash tablecakes to support green and gold and the rest of the crew all right hope everyone is having a great week and until next time later buds